Hello and welcome to Centrist Dads. My name is Adam Radford. We're recording on the 28th of April 2021. Joining me all the way from Salford is Alex. Hello. And joining all the way from Sabbatch is Kieran Seymour. Are we recording for Adam? That is the question. Yes, we recorded Kieran. <laughs> joining us is special guest Jimmy Nichols from the Right Dishonourable podcast. Hey, I'm from I'm from South London. Probably shouldn't be any more specific than that, just in case I say something controversial on this podcast and one of your listeners tries to track me down. So uh, we'll go with South London. <laughs> And the tension has risen. Alex, what have you been up to this uh, <laughs> this past fortnight? I went to Lancaster, actually, Kieran, at the weekend. Ooh. Our old stomping ground. And yeah. Yeah, it was, it was looking quite sorry. Well, no, it wasn't looking sorry for itself. It's just it's just very quiet. It was a lot quieter than I thought it would be. That's because we're not there anymore at uni there. Although we were there at different times. But yeah, I've, I've been up to this and that, really. Kieran, I can see that you have shaved your head. Enjoy not looking like the bad guy from the Home Alone mil- movies now. <laughs> so yeah it's good 10 points 10 points for anybody who can say what they were known as together uh, the white bandit the white bandit, white bandit yeah it's 10 points goes to alec or in the sequel for sticky bandits no one likes the smart uh, jimmy what have you been up to <laughs> i'm kind of i'm disappointed with the uh, you know the england-based uh you know, contributors to this podcast, you haven't been out drinking at the pub over the past fortnights because that's mostly what I've been doing. I had a half pint actually at the pub on Sunday, so you know. Does that even count? <laughs> <laughs> it's not not as bad as the people I've seen that have had stuff on social media like so good to finally be out having a drink and they're just there with a bottle of beer. It's like we could have just done that at home. There is something about a pint, I think, that I've missed. Is there's something about home drinking that I think you tend to pace yourself a bit more generously. And there's not like a, a waiter coming up to your table every, you know, half an hour saying, do you want another round? I think that, yeah, the conditions are, are not good for not toppling over after a trip to the pub these days. We'll go straight in then. We'll kick off, shall we? Alex, what is the first topic that we're going to talk about today? So I thought we'd just focus on the European Super League scandal of last week. It was 48 hours of absolute mayhem on Twitter. Everywhere in the world was just rife with just the, the pandemonium, this this scandal caused by Florentino Perez of Real Madrid, the president of Real Madrid. He he proposed a European Super League of Europe's biggest clubs. It was supposed to be it's mapped out as a closed European competition and it would would feature 11 of the biggest clubs in Europe and, to- and Tottenham Hotspur as well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the those kinds of one of those kinds of things where I just thought was very interesting because on the Monday night Chelsea were playing Brighton they played out to a very dull nil nil draw but the main talking point from the start of that game was a sign by some of the Chelsea fans protesting outside the outside the ground saying that they wanted their cold nights in Stoke <laughs> now I'm a Stoke fan Jimmy we stopped the European Super League dead in their tracks <laughs> Are you just salty that you weren't invited? Absolutely not. No, I, I, it's, I think it's great that we've become part of football par, footballing parlance at cold nights in Stoke. Though we've never actually won in a cold night in Stoke, we are actually the <laughs> the benchmark now. You know, that's what we've become synonymous with. Of the Champions League final away at Stoke. That's what every team is is really striving for. Exactly. I think it's interesting to look at the government's reaction to this. And Oliver Dowden, the culture secretary, maybe will do this and perhaps will do this in his speeches and his addresses to the to the commons and his his press releases i think it's become known within the sort of like the tory government that they want to certainly the johnson government they want to be people who are going to rip up the rule book and they're going to be interventionist 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 uh, i can't my words out interventionist thank you speaking too quickly obviously where is the evidence that this government is ripping up the rule book 
So I think it's it's just it was just an interesting debate to see within the government that something such as this, where football gets brought up in like a national uproar, the future of football is is endangered, and the government wants to intervene. Yet, were they going to do anything? I mean, they, there's no proof, obviously, because everyone backed down. But Super League, Super League is dead, basically. Really, is the Johnson government any different from those? Is any difference from the May or the Cameron administrations before it? They talk a big game of being interventing. Intervent. Uh, can't get my words out. I've had one can of I've had one can of beer, and this is what it's done to me. The listeners can't see it either. Whether it's Bud Light, it is Bud Light. Yes, thank you, Anne. <laughs> Even the Labour opposition. It was a great opportunity for Starmer to talk about cooperatives and moving to a model where more of the public and more workers could be on boards and things like that. Just it was just a very interesting debate in that terms of like the political side. I was just wondering what you guys think. Jimmy, are you a you a football fan? I actually don't really care about football, but I was fascinated by this story. I think because the various politicians kicked off about it. Okay. No, no pun intended. It's a very relatable story, I guess, about the whole argument about you know whether the state is going to intervene in markets to stop rich people from doing what they want with various companies, which traditionally is not very Tory at all, at least um, you know in the Margaret, Margaret Thatcher um, sense of traditional Tory. Yeah, no, I, I don't really have a team. I, I, I think you guys really should lay your cards on the table at this point. Kieran and I both support Oxford United. Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's probably never, ever, ever, and probably never, ever, ever will uh, have a conversation with two Oxford United fans again. Yeah, this, this is a unique privilege, I would say. Save of the moment. Save of the moment. <laughs> there was a huge disparity in terms of the reaction from the police at these protests compared to, for example, the Sarah Everard vigil, where people were laying candles and got bundled into the back of the police vans. I'd be really intrigued to see a sort of adoption of the German model where fans own a majority of the clubs, but that isn't a guarantee because Barcelona was one of the clubs which had signed up for the European Super League and that's owned by the fans. People were sort of shocked over here. I don't know if I've mentioned, but I live in Spain. People were shocked over here that there were the three clubs and also a little bit bemused that Arsenal were there as well. Nobody really thought it was going to go ahead here. I don't know if people in the UK thought it was going to go ahead. There's not been a political backlash. There's not been any conversation about government stepping in or, or anything of that ilk. And I think the, in the English case, it's 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 probably been the most unifying issue since the Brexit vote, I would say. There's been, there's been very little that has united the country in such outrage. It was, it was I think it was very interesting from that point of view. And it, it is obviously, football is something that a lot of people who don't give a about politics care about something that people find quite relatable something that struck me as interesting is that although as an outsider it does seem like it would have been a bad move to you know set up this european super league in a kind of nfl style game where you can't get knocked out and the you know it's just a rotation of teams it it did seem a bit rum for like all of these often often very rich football pundits to say oh you know it's disgraceful that the game is being you know so dominated by money um and you're like well the game's already dominated by money. Like the, the teams that tend to win tend to be the teams with the largest wage bill. That, I mean, that that's true of a lot of sports. I think is it's particularly noticeably true of football because so many people watch it. So even though it does seem like it would have been a bad move, there is a bit of me as an outsider that thinks, well, so what? It's just another step down the road that football's been going for a long time. So maybe as football fans, you could tell me why I'm wrong about that. I think that's a really, really good point, Jimmy. And one of my main points on all of this is that to use a football cliche uh, you know at the end of the day the issue is that <laughs> i had to get one in didn't i how long have you been polishing that gem 
the government has has let football get in this state to be honest this whole thing happens partly because the checks and balances on these uh, billionaire fo- uh, owners coming over and buying these clubs as play toys or in this in the case of man city we, we, I, I actually find it bizarre that man city even considered joining it because their whole purpose of of buying the club was is basically a pr exercise to improve the reputation of the arabic re oh oh hello <laughs> adam you may wish to stop the the main recording <laughs> Uh, I'm happy to say, dear Centrist Dad listener, that my co-host decided that this was the correct point to join the the chat about an hour after he was due to be here. Um, this is in no way representative of his general punctuality, I should add. Chazza, why don't you introduce yourself for the listeners? Hello, listeners to other podcasts. Um, <laughs> my name is Jazza. I co-host the Right Dishonourable podcast, which, yes, is the best named political theme podcast on the internet jimmy and i do episodes about politics social issues and current events every two weeks i mean i am a nightmare to actually get on a call <laughs> so this is representative of what it's like to work with me i was a little bit nervous before appearing on your podcast because the name because the word right in the right dishonorable so i was like are they really right wing <laughs> <laughs> we feel fall into no categories if you make a podcast you're either re- you're really really opinionated either way, but generally you're either very very right wing or you're Owen Jones. <laughs> you guys are definitely a little bit left of us. Jimmy and I have joked in the past that we're the Lib Dem podcast because we are slapped back in the middle in terms of our political ideology, and nobody cares about us. Is that why you're in an orange room? Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm an orange book Lib Dem. I mean, I ju- <laughs> like literally, I have a copy of the orange book. On my on my uh, bookshelf right next to me, just in case I forget that I love Sir Nicholas Clegg. Is he a sir? He is a sir, Sir Nicholas. Is sir he? Nicholas. Yes. What did he get knighted for? Being the 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 vice prime minister. That's a pretty big deal. To be fair, I mean we don't have vice prime ministers, Jazza. We have deputies. So we had a we vice lived. prime minister for five years. Is he really? Uh, I'm going to Google this in the background. I don't know what the actual thing was, but he's a knight now, so that's what's important. We're just talking about the European Super League 15 minutes, and then we're going to go into major sleaze. Love that. Kieran was cut off in his prime. You were going to insert as many football puns as possible. I want to remind you, Kieran. Well, I guess we could say this this podcast episode is a, a game of two halves now there oh, are five of us. I hate you. Bravo <laughs> so much. Bravo. We love to see it. As I was saying, the government really has a lot to answer for because they are the ones that let these billionaires in, own the clubs and, and kind of do as they please with no real decent checks or, or balances on the power that, that they wield. And then all of a sudden, when it looks like there's a chance to be popular and could you class it as a bit of a culture war with the importance that football has to people? Maybe. And obviously, Johnson was was right there like, oh, yes popular me i'll never miss out on a chance for that i think my second point is there was one point when i couldn't believe what i was hearing and i couldn't believe he had the audacity to come out and say it but uh, boris johnson was basically said outrageous that 
a few rich billionaires want their own little private closed off club to make all these decisions and do what they will <laughs> i thought boris um <laughs> you might want to think about what you're saying and you know self-awareness maybe do, you know is this the greatest stroke of irony we've ever known do we know what team Boris Johnson pretends to support? <laughs> he seems more like a rugby man, I've got to say. But he said he didn't care for it. Oh, that's nice that this intervention is authentic then. He wasn't like David Cameron, <laughs> who said he sported West Ham and then Aston Villa and then West Ham and then Aston Villa again. So, to be know. fair, very similar colours. I've mixed them up before. <laughs> <laughs> it was also like the punchline. You know, these terribly script, these terrible jokes that politicians tell, much like Kieran's puns. But it was in a speech and it was in a room full of people. And then he got the team wrong in front of a televised audience. And you're like, oh, you just, you just, but you you always look like the most boring person at a stag do. <laughs> Get the line right. You're supposed to support this club. Just like you go on Desert Island Discs and say, oh, yes, I, I really liked garbage back in the day. <laughs> Without this kind of pressure from the public, I'm not particularly convinced that the government would have thought there was anything wrong with it i think it was more a reaction to the public outcry mm. rather than the government having their own sense of Shit, okay this is this is the the national game and this is wrong so we're going to s- step in I, w- I will say i think it got announced on the sunday right and then i don't think it was just the public it was pretty much absolutely everybody who had any kind of a voice at all from twitter to facebook to whatsapp to um match of the day to five live to absolutely everybody thought that this was a terrible idea and it was really greedy actually you know what i think it would have been quite easy for them to just go this is a private industry we're not gonna this has nothing to do with us and i was really surprised when the government said that they're going to intervene in some way and i really do think that that is probably the straw that broke the camel's back there's going to be disagreements with clubs and there's going to be protests against clubs decisions uh, all of the time but it was the fact that the the uk government was willing to bring in some kind of legislation to to clip the wings of uh, Stephen Bush from the New Statesman said the five top clubs in the in the English leagues and Tottenham. Yeah, they, they've they've already made that joke. I ha- I hated that because I'm a Tottenham fan and it's true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You might want to fast forward the first couple of minutes of this episode. Excellent. I'll listen back. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, all of the, all of the jokes have been made. Ha ha. Very good. <laughs> to be fair, we did say Arsenal should also be included in that kind of category. So, yeah. <laughs> They're basically playing to the red wall seats, essentially, right? It's, it is part of what Kim was saying. Like, it's the cultural side of things where this is going to be popular with the Northern men in those seats that they won at the last election um sometimes for the first time ever and this plays into their hand along with some of their rhetoric around like the northern powerhouse and whatever politically the maneuver makes sense i was surprised that they were willing to be so word for alex interventionist because that's very un-tory but also the tories are not tories at the moment they're some kind of weird boris johnson brexit populist hybrid do you think when they came out and they made these statements they knew that the idea was going to fall flat and it wasn't going to ha- they weren't going to have to do anything but they make the right sort of noises they get talked about as the pubs reopen as oh boris is going to step in like i don't i don't know i don't know anyone in government i thought it would have like it obviously makes sense and you can understand why they're doing it but at the same time it's so surprising because they didn't need to do it 
I don't think. I agree with what Adam implied strongly there. That I, I think that they announced the intervention by the time the project was already pretty looking pretty ill as it as it was. I, I think the the backlash from the football industry, from FIFA and UEFA and the fans as well, and all the rest of it. I, I think it was like the writing was pretty much on the wall by the time the government said, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to to make this thing die. I, I think the level of political risk there was quite low. Like a, a lot of what they say, it's an empty bluff. It, it's not really something they're going to intervene with to go against capitalism i just don't i just don't see it also what has emerged since and we don't quite know the truth of yet this rumor that johnson actually met with ed woodward the chief exec of man united whose name always makes me laugh (laughs) ed woodward (laughs) (laughs) but edward ed woodward uh would probably have the rumor is ed woodward would have suggested to johnson the the super league idea uh, in the week before it was announced and some people sources are saying that he actually kind of gave it the nod of approval obviously that's been denied and whether we'll ever know the truth of that but that maybe that just plays to that whole thing of agreeing to something quite blasé or not thinking about the 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 long-term plan and just thinking about the short-term idea or trying to come across as as likable and then obviously the repercussions then came out that oh this really isn't a good idea so yeah that that's interesting whether or not it happens i we probably won't know but i just enjoyed gary neville and jamie carragher having question time sky made it free to air and they were just having this like right debate off like it was like the most biggest political issue of the time it was inter- interesting watching sky sports news on the on the monday and the like the tuesday and everything and they would they were really pushing it and hammering it it's like well Rupert Murdoch and Sky made the deal with the Premier League in 1992, so that they've got no business in like calling ever calling this out. In 1992, yeah. Oldham Athletic were the, one of the main drivers of being in the Premier League, and you know, look what happened to them. You dance with the devil. You're in League Two. <laughs> I think that that analysis of Boris Johnson though reminds me so much, and I can't help it. It reminds me so much of what people used to say about Trump that Trump would just say yes mm. to whoever was in front of him, and yeah. so people ended up strategically booking their meetings with him. So that he was the last person that they spoke to during the day so that that was the last thing that he would think and then go out to the press or whatever like it's it's populism at the end of the day but it doesn't surprise me that actually boris johnson would have quite liked the idea of this it's uninterventionist the esl would have made a a butt ton of money um it would have improved the stability of like of english franchise football all of those are like good things from his perspective and as we have already said he he doesn't care for the game Mm. and so why would he have cared really why wouldn't he have said yes and given Edward Wood, uh, the green light. I always keep thinking there's another wood round the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. Just peeking round. Guys, there is a big topic that I'd like us to dive into, which is Tory sleaze. Kieran, you practically bit my hand off when I, when I was asking who wanted to introduce this topic. To, to use one more football cliche. Oh, um, don't you Jesus Christ. Excellent. Bring it on. I support you, Kieran. Thank you, Chazza. This one's a bit more tedious, to be honest. But This is how you tell a joke, guys. Oh, just, <laughs> you're going to be really disappointed. Uh... I had, isn't it, that half of this podcast, my contribution is me explaining or apologising. This, this better be fucking good. Yeah, well... <laughs> One thing we already know t- it's not going to be. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you might just want to leave it at this stage and just move on. 
This could just be the, the mystery uh, football cliche. No, if I know Kieran, he will die on this hill. And also, like, the thing is, is like, if you don't know this cliche as well, it's a bit niche, so it could be lost on people. But <laughs> <laughs> Another reason this joke's rubbish. But yeah, one thing it's become apparent that this Conservative government doesn't seem to believe in after the last week is squeaky bum time. Is that a homophobic joke? <laughs> I don't like, what was No, um, basically... What's, what is squeaky bum time? <laughs> squeaky bum time is something that Sir Alex Ferguson invented. When you get to the crunch part of a game, you're 1-0 up and you need to be very careful of your lead. The fans on their plastic seats... Are getting like quite jittery and moving around on the squeaky bums, it's causing squeaky oh. bums. I had, I had no idea that was a football reference. If I can indulge your attention to bring it back onto potential <laughs> options within the government, <laughs> Kieran, notoriously, your football analogies are not allowed. Yeah, they're gone now. That's the last one. But yeah, the, well, the, the reason I use that metaphor is because it's very apparent that the Conservative Party do not seem to. Well, not all of them, but like, let's focus on who it's about. Boris Johnson does not seem to be one for being careful at the moment. This week has been unbelievable. The Prime Minister is just a, a liar. You know, I, I, I think I can go on record and say that and not feel that I'm going to get sued. It, not that I would get sued because he's not listening to this. Exactly. We, we know we know he definitely listens to this. I can, yeah. I can see your rough <laughs> geographical areas on my red circle interface everybody <laughs> just at the top of my head I'm, I'm thinking matt hancock not declaring family interests in that company hmm. this thing about the flat tory mates and donors being given pp contracts to make equipment they've never made this 37 billion for track and trace which i've mentioned in previous ones i hope not like a broken record but what the fuck 37 billion Green green sill might cost the taxpayer five billion pounds. It's come out today. Sunak and Hancock were at that meeting, mm -hmm. as well as obviously Cameron. The Dyson, I'll fix the the tax for you, which which Johnson went on the massive fence saying I did everything I could, ignoring the fact that Dyson made just as many ventilators as I did. <laughs> Oh, how many was that? <laughs> it's approximately zero. Well, good job. You tried. And I didn't even have to text the Prime Minister. Such a hero. Those are just the things just off the top of my head. It seems to be coming pretty thick and fast. Um, I know these aren't necessarily sleaze as such, but, you know, it's kind of di disgraceful is the uh, multiple sources have said he came out and said, let the bodies pile high and yeah. also let COVID, let, let it rip through to avoid a second uh, or third lockdown. Which he then implemented anyway. Yeah, and which also are sleaze if it comes out that he has said that and is in fact lying about then saying that, you know, oh, I never said that. And then if, you know, if the BBC's run in with it, who are usually very, very careful. They they ran with it because it was on the front page of, of every yeah. newspaper. The BBC would have not done a very good job if it hadn't run anything on mm. it. The reason that this stuck was because... It sounds like something he would say. Mm. Like, you could believe that Boris Johnson would say something that flowery and stupid. However, in what scenario does that phrase pass your lips? It is alleged. We don't actually, we have no idea who the source is, right? Like, people have pontificated. I think there, is, there are several sources, to be fair. Three, yeah. I want to know what the rest of the conversation was for that to have been the response. I could see it in a conversation where they're discussing the third lockdown and Johnson is is voicing his opposition to 
to a third lockdown. I reckon somebody said to him, Prime Minister, if we don't lock down, people are going to die. And this was a response, which you, you're absolutely right. It's it's exactly the kind of language you, which you can imagine Boris Johnson saying. It's it's like something that he's plucked out of Euripides, or do you know what I mean? Like it's something from his classics that he's that he's managed to bring into. The, I'm surprised the, it wasn't the in Latin. <laughs> Jimmy, what are your what are your takes on this? It's something you can imagine Boris Johnson saying, but is it actually something that you think he genuinely meant? I mean, I know you. I know most people do have a pretty negative view of Boris Johnson. Do we really think that he wants piles of corpses of British people? I, I imagine it's something he said because he was, you know, really off about having to order a third lockdown. He, if, if he did say it, he shouldn't have said that he didn't say it. Um, and he's, I mean, everyone knows he's a liar. It's been well documented. You, if, you, if you don't believe me, you could go Google it. There's several, you know, he was sacked from an early shadow cabinet or, or cabinet role for lying about having an affair, I think was one of his early, early hits. The rest of the sleaze allegations, I mean, some of them just like Matt Hancock, you know, investing shares in a health firm while being health secretary is just so obviously wrong. He probably should resign, really. I think it's just such an obvious conflict of interest. And for the government to come out and say there's no conflict of interest there is kind of astounding. Equally, the Cameron thing, it's just, I mean, I know he was cleared of breaching the, you know, the technical rules. It is just so obvious that what he did was wrong. And it's, it's staggering that the rules didn't encompass his behavior because it's just it's just straightforward that it was bad. But on the, you know, the ventilator thing, you know, accepting James Dyson. You're doing a really good job at defending the conservatives, by the way. Jimmy. Oh, it's okay. I, I've done a bit salvage. So I, I saved Boris Johnson, threw Matt Hancock under the bus, and now I'm going gonna, gonna to finish. <laughs> the, the, the things about like the, you know, the vaccine procurement and throwing loads of money at track and trace... You can say, you know, is in the middle of a pandemic and sometimes you want to be less thrifty with your spending. So the reason the EU did not get all the vaccines that it needed is because it was essentially quibbling over the price of each individual vaccine. Britain had a fairly middling program in terms of throwing money at it and somewhere like Israel threw loads of money at it and didn't have any cost control at all, which is why Israel is doing really well in terms of vaccine administration. So I think it is reasonable for a government to say, you know, at a time of a pandemic, we're not going to we're not going to follow the rules. As re- procurement rules as rigorously as all that. That's the best I can do, I'm afraid, in terms of defending the Tories. So I don't, I don't think every allegation against them is good. Mm, I think it's really interesting that that point of everyone knows he's a liar. Mm. Does he kind of know, oh, it doesn't matter because people know that about me and because it's, oh, it's Boris, it, you know, he just says these things. He doesn't mean them. You can hear it down the pub. Do you know what I mean? You could hear people saying it and voters will just be like, oh, well, you know, he didn't really mean it. It doesn't matter. That's Boris. It's just what he does. I don't know. I mean, this is going to be the fascinating thing, whether this actually cuts through or not, because he, he's behaving like that's what's going to happen. I think you've got a good point, Kieran, because I, I think people factored this in when they voted for him. Mm. And I think that's why he's pretty Teflon. And actually, there's this trend in government at the moment of people just kind of like water off a duck's backing everything and just carrying on and being like, oh, whoops, did I break that ministerial code? Whoopsie daisy. Well, I guess I'll just continue as if nothing happened. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think people really care. We had a good couple of weeks of this and... I mean, poll, polls are polls, right? But there wasn't very much of a shift in polling. There was still nationally a 10-point lead mm. for the Conservatives. And I don't yep. think generally people really care about it because I don't think people generally really care about lobbying. I don't mm. think people think about it very much. And I think actually when you just say, 
Well, David Cameron texted Rishi Sunak. That sounds all right, because I text people all the time. Mm. Should I have to fill out a form when I want to text my mum? What I think, interestingly, is the thing that probably sticks more than anything, apart from, I think, the bodies piling high thing, that one does stick to, to Johnson to a certain extent, is the flat stuff. Yeah. I think it's because it's exposed him and Carrie Simmons yeah. or Simons or whoever you're meant to say a uh, name, uh, the vice prime minister. Um, the fact that she said that it was a John Lewis nightmare in there. Did she say that? Because I thought that was a quote from a, tat- a Tatler magazine. I don't think that was something that anyone in the government said. I think, no, I think that was, that's what a Carrie Simmons quote, isn't it? That's been, has been said that she was horrified by what Theresa May had done with the John, John mm-hmm. Lewis effect. Like, it may not be to your taste, but John Lewis is pretty much as posh as you can get if you're normal. I, I am on a podcast with the Senators dads, and John Lewis is too expensive for me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with John Lewis. I think as well, at a, at a time where we've been living through austerity and a lot of people are, are in insecure positions at the moment with their work and with furlough and so on, I think it's the extravagance which is really shocking people rather than this was it the donor was it pm was it the expenses the 30 grand they get every year to do the flat i think it's just the fact that wallpaper cost 850 pound a roll 850 pound a roll and it looks disgusting i don't know how much is that i don't know how much wallpaper costs normally to be completely honest just on the john lewis thing because i don't think anyone's i haven't seen anyone pick this up but the guy who's currently mayor of the west midlands combined Aaron, who very well may win his election in, in any way andy street is the former managing director of John Lewis, which seems kind of awkward. Like, <laughs> oh, he's a Tory, by the way, just to, just in case that wasn't emphasised enough. So in theory, the Prime Minister's girlfriend has just slagged off the mayor of the West Midlands, who spent his whole <laughs> life at that company up until becoming a politician. John Lewis also is famously um, treats its employees really, really well. They're all shareholders, if you're a John Lewis it's employee. It's a co-op, yeah. My, my first, my first, of course, I'm going to be really middle class here. Of course I am, in case you couldn't tell from my voice. You're in a safe space, Adam. Oh, I don't like the idea of safe space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll make it hostile. What do you want? <laughs> Not for me. My first my first job was working on the checkouts at Waitrose. And we had to call each other partners. And there's a Waitrose parliament. It's, very, it's a very interesting world inside there. There are six Tory ministers, apparently, which have got leadership teams prepped and ready to go. Okay, ready to spring in the action in case this sticks. Well, can we, can we, can we guess who they are? You're reading the room, Jazza. Absolutely. This is like the exact reason why I love reshuffles. It's like political top jobs. <laughs> I actually think that this is true. He is a vote winner. Like he is to, be, to defend, not to defend the guy, but he is, he is the vote winner and they're not shifting in the polls. So they're not going to get rid of the guy. If he wins big next week, which he could he could win Hartlepool. He probably will win Hartlepool, right? He'll probably hold the West Midlands marrow race. He'll hold the, um, the Teesside marrow race. And if he kind of offsets his gains with losses from the Labour and the, and the council elections themselves, I don't see how he's going to be shifted, really. Yeah, people, again, as we've just discussed, is, is priced in already that he's he's a dingus. Also, I'm sure that local people, are, local people, local shops and local people for local elections. <laughs> I'm sure, like, people vote in the local elections. Maybe I'm giving them too much uh, credit, but it has absolutely nothing to do with Boris Johnson. Yeah, that, I, I, that, 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 does, that doesn't matter, I don't think. So I'm always reminded, like, when people say, oh, Boris, he's opening the pubs, he's such a nice guy, that, that blundering buffoon, God love him. And it's like, well... 
He went on. He went on Andrew, the Andrew Marr show, but we always forget this. Like he, Eddie Mayer had a massive go at him. Darius Guppy, one of his like old school chums from Eton, half half Iranian as well, but we'll go there. Um, like me, for those who are, those who are new to the pod. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> also, I'm I'm gay, so I was allowed to make the gay jokes earlier. I'm just saying, just to make sure that we're all in the even. Yeah, yay, yay minorities. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, so he goes on. He go. He has this phone call in the nineties with Darius Guppy, his his old school chum, who he called later a mild friend. Darius Guppy had some problem with a journalist, and he wanted Boris to take care of him in a way that would provide the address. Boris knew his address, and Darius Guppy was going to get someone to beat this journalist up. Said journalist up. So Boris was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll go along with this. Here's his address, old boy, kind of thing." And Darius Guppy was like, "Oh Boris, I love you. I love you, my old friend, kind of thing." And so glad that you'll be able to provide this dress so I can beat this guy up. He is a cretin. Don't get me wrong. He is like from the Trumpian playbook about how he just shrugs everything off, like breaking the ministerial code. His ministers breaking the ministerial code, and they get away with things. He's lowered the bar so much that. How can it be risen again? I, I do think he's a bad dude, but I, I think it's worth saying he didn't actually provide the address in the end. And I think it's very plausible that he did, you know, pick up on a theme earlier in this podcast. He he basically said yes, just to get the guy off the phone. And he went along with it, though. Yeah, he well, he, he said, I will give the address and then never gave him the address. But well, Yeah, but uh, to engage in a conversation such as that is just a bit... I don't know. I feel I feel like whether or not that is significant, he's a dead. Like, I feel like that is, you, you, we don't need that to be true for him to be an absolutely terrible yeah, person. Yeah, he is a dead. I just don't think that's a great example of it. <laughs> Pardon was blubbering, like, blubbering on the phone saying, oh, can you provide this address for someone that I want to get rid of? I'd be like, Adam, go away. No, what's wrong with you? Get back to the checkout. Wait, what are you doing? So, Adam, Adam do, do your um, Tory leadership spiel that's not going to happen, but yeah, go on. Well, at some point, Boris Johnson will be replaced, you know. Yeah. He's not He's not permanent. He's not a permanent fixture. Yeah, there's going to there's gonna come a point where he gets pushed. And I, I mean, this was from The Express, this, um, this six ministers who have got leadership teams, who are his cheerleaders. It's not surprising when there's allegation after allegation after allegation which, like you say, Jimmy, in terms of Matt Hancock, it seems pretty cut and dry. Some other things, it's more difficult to explain it or put it on a headline, or it's more difficult to know whether or not somebody broke the law or whether it was dodgy and they should have known better, but actually they didn't break the Minister of Code or whatever. Anyway, it's not a surprise that there, if there would be six people sort of sharpening their knives thinking, I need to get ready because maybe my chance is coming up. I, I think, and I, we will get to the six, Adam, I promise. But... Um... <laughs> The inquiry looking into the flat Kearns for Cash scandal, as it's been nicknamed, and basically the inquiry, the guy that's going to publish his findings, Boris Johnson gets to decide and judge, it's come out today, whether any ministers, including himself, have broken the ministerial code. The man that could have broken the ministerial code is the one that gets to pass judgment on whether he has or not. It's it's, just tyrannical. Jimmy looks like he's got something to say based on that. <laughs> I, I think it's worth pointing out that's not a, a power that Boris Johnson's like snatched for himself. That's a long-standing convention. But I, d- I do agree with you that it is ridiculous that uh, the Prime Minister gets to adjudicate on that. It should be in it, someone independent. But there is also the a separate inquiry by the ele- Electoral Commission mm. as to whether any campaign financing rules were flouted. And Boris Johnson won't be judging on that that will be down to the commission so he has he has an entirely entirely got away scot-free but uh he probably will no, do that's a good run. point that's a good point i feel a bit better now as well the the other point i was going to make before i went off on the rant that just never going to get to the six <laughs> <are> we? <laughs> we will get to the six we will 
the, the Super Six, the Super Six League. Um, don't, don't. <laughs> you were doing so well. You were doing so well. We've moved on. The, the, the point is, all of this stuff is stuff that he can get away with or the ministers can get away with, essentially. My worry is when it's something or one of, the, one, one of these things happens where he says, yeah, that's all right, we'll sort all that for you, or he slips up and does an oopsie, and it's like, oh, gosh, when's one of them actually going to really matter? Where, you know, he's the prime minister, and you've only got to think of uh, Nagali Ratcliffe. I probably said the first name wrong. I apologize. And and what he did there when he was foreign uh, foreign secretary. And I guess that's my worry about this is, yeah, well, stuff is, is bad at the moment, but is he going to make a cop that's going to seriously put the country or individuals in this country at risk? And yeah, uh, for me, it's a matter of time if he just keeps on governing this way. He, he already has done, hasn't he? Like throughout the pandemic, yeah. he's made mistakes that have uh, ended up in people dying. So that's true. <laughs> that's, Maybe we'll uh, carry on just getting away with it then. <sighs> I th- I mean, t- for me, the only question is whether he becomes such an electoral liability that the Tories decide to push him out and replace him with someone else, or whether he decides, you know, maybe after two terms, say that he's had enough and he's going to retire. I think that's the those are the only two ways he goes out for me. I don't think he's ever going to get caught. You know, he's ever, you know. Yeah, would, do you mean like will it be like a, th- a Thatcher situation where he's sort of well? I mean, from it, within yes, yeah, essentially, if you're a prime minister, those are the only two ways you go. You either decide that you want to leave on your own terms, which is relatively rare, I think. Much more likely is that the Tories decide that you know someone else can do a better job. Uh, you know, purely in terms of elections, really. I mean, I think, or you die. That almost never happens. I think it was it Spencer Percival was assassinated and. Has, has anyone else died yeah. in office? It's not quite as dangerous as being president of the United States. I was I was going to say eight eight dead United States presidents, uh, four assassinated, four like died of natural causes. I mean, that's much more exciting. You know hmm. that that is far more exciting. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I wonder how, how many of these how many of these MPs are sitting watching him getting absolutely roasted every PMQ. PMQs is like fun again. I quite like. Never it. seen them so angry. Remember when it was Theresa May and Corbyn? Oh, <laughs> teeth. <laughs> With but Keir Starmer, you could see his barrister cross examination, and he knows he's got all the cards in this, mm. and it was just beautiful. He just got him to say things on record. Did you do this? Did you not do this? Johnson obviously weaseled away, but he did say that he didn't utter about the bodies piled higher. So that I think was a success. Can we can we do the six? Can we can we go round and like name one each, and then you you kick us off, Jesse. Govey, obviously. The snake. I mean, I mean, Gove is just coiled like a spring, uh, just waiting for a slip up. If anything, Govey will push Boris in front of that Boris bus in order. He's probably one of the leaks who said um, the bodies will pile high now that I know that there's three of them. 100% Govey. Yeah. He's already done it once to Boris, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll go next. Is that correct? Is that on the list? Uh, Adam is keeping an utter poker face over over this. Is he, are you going to leave it till the end to confirm or deny? We don't know who the six are. Otherwise, they'd be out of a cabinet job tomorrow, wouldn't they? Well, not if it's rumours. But Govey, obviously, is obviously. number one. I mean, I, I bet Boris Johnson knows who the six are. But otherwise, his whips are not doing their jobs properly, right? Yeah, that's true. Like that, that's yeah. one of the main purposes of the whips, is to monitor who the next leadership challenger will be. Kieran, I, I think you were going next. There was a tweet earlier today from Coonsberg um, saying, meanwhile... She's going to run. Yeah, Coonsberg. She's going to run. <laughs> 
all, all the lefties will finally feel vin- vindicated that they're, that they're right that she's a secret Tory. <laughs> no, uh, meanwhile, the Treasury has released a parliamentary answer this afternoon regarding the principle of redecorating. And it says that R- Rishi Sunak did redecorate his flat and he paid for the costs himself up front. His dad's a billionaire that's ridiculous he has more money than god (laughs) he's not got like 20 illegitimate children that he has to support and if he did he would be able to (laughs) he does have an addiction to coke guys remember have we we all seen that snippet yeah the right dishonorable would like to separate itself from this claim of the centrist dad We're talking about Coca-Cola. Oh, thank God. He was recording on another podcast um, by these two school kids. Do it. They do a politics podcast. He was their guest, which is That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Not come to our podcast. Yeah, that was. I know. He never replies to our messages, <laughs> but he, did, he didn't have to do that. Um, it was a good PR exercise for him, though, and he, he did come across as like this bumbling, lovable geek. So you're going for you're going Rishi. Yeah, Rishi. And if you've not seen that clip, like look it up afterwards. It's brilliant. He basically it's the most partridge thing ever. He basically tells these two kids oh, i love coke and and then realizes what he's done he's like coca-cola i love coca-cola coca-cola cola is amazing just to clarify coca-cola mine is a uh, coca-cola uh not coca-cola Rishi Sunak. uh alex who are you going for i'm gonna go with listros good shout yeah she's she's up there she's grossly incompetent but also believes in herself a lot. Mm. she's that dangerous mix you know what though i see the world that liz truss wins uh, like, I imagine that she would be able to brand herself as kind of like the next Thatcher. Mm, oh, yeah. The, the Brexit champion who went around the world and got all the deals. 100%. Yeah, she's had loads of really good photos in front of flags. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to just make a, a sideways move with, with back to Jazz's point with Gove. He is essentially just Littlefinger, isn't he, from Game of Thrones? Because <laughs> Henry, Henry Newman... It, but yeah. Henry Newman used to work for Gove, and that's who Cummings is accusing of leaking the whole body, like the bodies pile up message. So it's basically just Gove just pu- trying to pull the strings once again and stab someone in the back like he did to Cameron. Yeah. You just can't trust the guy. He loves it. Yeah. Alex, is it your guy? I already said mine. Oh, trust. Sorry. Yes. I see. I've already forgotten who trust is. <laughs> I'm going to say Matt Hancock is a pretty obvious leadership contender. Not because I think he's good. But because I think he fancies himself, basically. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's another example of failing upwards, isn't he, really? <laughs> to be fair, like I think his greatest achievement in his time in office has been providing the meme where he was on Good Morning Britain and it's the one thing where he's crying and then the next second where he's got that smirk on his face, like, I uh, got you. The, that is the worst fake crying I've ever seen. Like, he did he practice that in front of the mirror? And thought, hundred percent, yeah. yeah but, but then thought, nailed it. I'm ready for the cameras. No, you, you're a f-ing idiot who may might have been a bit dodgy dealing. Probably shouldn't be in a job. Oversaw one of the worst death rates in the world. I'm gonna go for another person with zero awareness. There's a theme on this. Gavin Williamson. Oh. Yeah, I yeah he would, wouldn't he? I think he would. Remember, he was he was sacked as defence minister. He gets made education minister. He knows where the bodies are because he was chief whip. He does. Yeah. So I I think he'll run because he's ambitious. He's arrogant. I I don't think he'll win if he does run. Thankfully, God. But then again, all of these people I think would be horrendous. Except I think Truss would be laughable. She would be. She might be the least damaging and the easiest to laugh at. 
I, I think because just because the the video about cheese about like we import two thirds of our cheese that is a disgrace and she looks so upset comedy gold and apples the apple the apples line as well was funny it's the same speech probably that that same like com- party conference picture goes we're bringing back apples so, like no <laughs> nothing to silence just like just a deadening silence, basically. But what about, what about Jeremy Hunt? Ooh, what's he doing I these like days? That. Entrepreneur, isn't he? There's going to be yeah, he's an entrepreneur, didn't you know? There's going to be one of those that got kicked out, isn't there? That that will would come back. So one of your Hunts or your Sasha uh, Savage Avids. Do you know his dad's a bus driver, by the way? I don't think we're allowed to say that when that's literally the only interesting thing about Sadiq Khan. <laughs> <laughs> So we have we have Gove, Sunak, Truss, Hancock, Williamson, and Hunt, which is pretty good. I put on a list of six on Twitter, and then immediately was reminded within about fifteen seconds that I had not included Gove, and I was like, "Oh, um, I'd be really surprised." I know that we're going over six now, but I'd be so surprised if Pretty Patel didn't. Run. And Rob as well. I don't think Rob. Do you know? I think so. No, I think he's. I think, think he's he, too loyal. Do you, do you think he's like Jesus? I can't believe I've got to this point. Don't don't ruin it now. <laughs> Just out of those six, you know what's really scary? I think that Gove may be the most competent. I think he'd be the one I'd be least scared of. Rob has in the past spoken multiple times about opposition to the minimum wage, but weirdly is against fox hunting, and it's like okay. So you take it. I know they're not mutually exclusive positions, but it's just never see them in the same room at the same time. Do you? I think Hunt for me would be the one that I I, I think he's done pretty well as um, select uh, as chair of the um, health committee, health select committee, and some of the stuff he was saying all through last year was was pretty much spot on for me. I think we would have done far better. Yeah, he's done a, he's done an Yvette Cooper, hasn't he? Yes. He's just like sounded very yeah. competent. Yeah, yeah I agree with yeah. that. How, how, whatever happens, I just really hope that it's a really messy fight between the Tories and they have a bit of infighting because Labour is infested with infighting and it would be nice to see the Tories have a little bit of a taste of it because they're, they're quite good at rallying around their leader, unlike, you know... They, by design, are not able to have nearly as much infighting as Labour do because the leadership process is t- is so systematic and drawn out for the Labour Party. For mm. the Conservatives, it actually tends to be pretty quick and sharp, and so they manage to avoid a lot of the drama that ends up being personalities against personalities within when you see that happen with the Labour Party. I reckon they'd rally, if this were to happen, they'd rally around one or two and it would be done pretty pretty sharpish, to be to be honest. My curveball is Jim Rick because I think he'll think, I'm really popular. He's so soft. He is, but I don't think he's got a, I don't think he's got a clue. He looks like a 14-year-old who's on work experience. <laughs> He, he stood in his, in my home constituency when I was eighteen as a he was like twenty seven I think. Did you offer him a seat? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was just so like he he was so well funded like he had all the uh, Ashcroft money he had like all like loads of like campaign finance crazy he was sending like magazines and like booklets he was so like thin as well that was the thing he was like so thin and like baby faced he still has baby face but now he's just like little like a little. Like little chubby guy, like well, it's su- subsidised um Parliament food, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like two pound for a, for a steak sandwich. There, it's lovely, is it? 
very very it's uh, it's amazing that there aren't more obese people in part <laughs> uh, on on that note <laughs> <laughs> i think i think we'll uh, we'll we'll call it a day so so our 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 how about a very quick one, one more very quickly next week of the elections just a bit of a prediction oh, yes. from like the whole oh good point like good alex point. i think labor will lose seats the only leader to gain seats in more local elections than lose them was ed legend i i'm expecting a tough night and that twitter will be a mess because of it i think they're not going to win the west midlands i think andy street is going to win that for the tories i think it's going to be bad for labor vaccine bounce whatever you want to call it teflon boris Labour not having loads of policies front and centre, people not really knowing what they stand for. They aren't able to offer a clear alternative and saying, here's what we're about, sort of to rebrand under Starmer. That's what do you think for Scotland? SNP majority between one and one and five between I think SNP and Greens will form the next one. There's two things I'm really looking forward to seeing on, on election night. One is Alex Salmond when he polls one percent. Uh, and the other one <laughs> the other one is Lawrence Lawrence Fox when he also polls one percent. But hopefully gets lower than Count Binface. They're the two things I'm looking forward to most on, on election night. On the recent polling, Alex Salmon might win a seat. Really? This this week's polling, he might win like Jesus. between like he might win like eight seats apparently on the on the list. Okay, I'll change I'll change my hopeful thing to seeing George Galloway then uh, win no seats. Um, it's been like two polls. It's been like two polls, so you know. My predictions would be SNP get the majority in Scotland, Tories win the by election in Hartlepool. Tories make small gains in England, but Labour will win quite well and make gains in Wales. Yeah. That's my prediction. Yeah. In order to hear mine and Jimmy's predictions, you'll have to go over to the next episode <laughs> of the Right Dishonourable <laughs> Podcast, where we'll be talking about the local elections and our predictions in full. Love it. That's a good save. I didn't have any ideas whatsoever. You're welcome. I, I saw I saw the panic at the back of um, Jimmy's <laughs> eyes. We need a couple of days. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go. I mean, that was an excellent sale. Excellent pales, uh, sales uh, pitch there, Jazzo. I mean, Thank you know. You. Thank you. I'm just going to go with that. In 2016, Labour were like between eight and three percent behind the Tories. Yet only and made like held their seats, held their own in like Cannock and Sanwell. Yet they they got absolutely creamed in the 27 in the 2019 election. In those in the parliamentary elections, the arguments, mate. and then in 2017, Labour were 38 percent behind the. T- so it was like 38 percent to the Tories, 27 percent to the Labour. So Labour could conceivably make gains in the county council elections and get hammered in the 20 in the local like the the borough and metropolitan elections. So it's going to be like a really yeah. topsy turvy night. I think. I think basically anyone but Labour will be happy probably. <laughs> I think they could well make. I think Labour could lose seats in Wales. Actually, Ooh, there we go. I th- yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough night for them. And I think the Tories will be happy. And I think the Greens potentially will be happy, and the Lib Dems oh, might be happy as well. That's really nice. <laughs> you patronising. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bounce, a Lib Dem bounce in the polls. Oh, what a one percent bounce! Golly, what are we going to do with a that? Wave of Davy, yeah, but... a Davy wavy. But if, but if you're if you're polling eight percent, one percent increase isn't isn't bad yeah significant proportional increase and the Lib Dems have a really good well-oiled local election machine as well super oiled squeaky buns (laughs) (laughs) as your um barometer look at like Canuck basically Canuck Sanwell see how badly Labour are doing there and then look at like Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire County Council to see how well Labour are doing and if they're not doing well on either then oh it's like 
It's like John Curtis is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your green screen, Alex? Here. <laughs> <laughs> I chose for there to be a lamp and a beige wall behind me. <laughs> this is going to think, bring things right down, so apologies. But to compare here, so, so there are elections in Madrid on the, on the 4th, and a member of the government, no, sorry, two members of the government now, of the cabinet, uh, the head of the police, national head of the police, and the lead, uh, sorry, and a mayoral candidate for for a left-wing party running Madrid, who was the vice president of Spain, all received... Oh, bullets. what's his name? Long hair. Pablo Iglesias. Looks like Jesus. If Jesus was white and Spanish. <laughs> which, which we all know he was. <laughs> they all received bullets in the post. And so one of the things that I was quite surprised to to see, but also quite heartened in some ways was joe cox was trending and joe cox was being spoken about on spanish news wow really surprising and i I was quite taken aback by that in a really positive way of like this is what can happen really that's amazing that she resonated so far i actually have no idea i had no idea that that was the that that was the case that hasn't brought me down that's made me feel that's given me Mm. hope i think in a certain that's a nice way. way to end so yeah. well done, Adam. I really enjoyed this tonight, guys, because I was feeling quite angry and pent up and gloomy. You had a couple of rants, yeah. didn't but you? That was nice. It's been, it's, been, <laughs> it's been fun tonight. It's been a good laugh. So thanks, everyone. Aww. Yeah, Shall we have a hug? <laughs> Jazza and Jimmy, before we head off, um, could you guys tell our listeners where they can find your podcast and your blog and all that shenanigans? Are you motioning at me, Jazza? <laughs> Yeah, Jimmy. God, I was trying to be <laughs> subtle, for goodness sake. This is, you can expect this kind of slick production on the Right Dishonourable podcast, <laughs> which you can find if you type in the Right Dishonourable with a U, because we spell it correctly, because we're English, and you can find it in all good podcatchers. Sorry, American listeners. Um, and Dishonour uh, has a U we... in it. O-U-R. Thank you. <laughs> he will die on this hill. I will. <laughs> Um, it is goodbye from Jimmy in, did you say South London? South London, yeah. Crushed it. <laughs> Jazza, I don't know where you are, but it, your your room is lit up like the red light district. <laughs> I'm in the Olympic Park. <laughs> oh yeah, you're in you're in Stratford. It's goodbye from, goodbye from Jazza. The Olympic Park, it makes me sound so much fancy. Okay, from, from the Olympic Park, it's goodbye from Jazza. And it's goodbye from Alex in Salford. Thank you, Adam, for this as usual. Aww. Why? Why are you like? Why? Why are you insulting me very and nice. Kieran? Like you're calling him, you're patronising me, you're pat- and you're calling Kieran Matt Hancock, Dominic Rob, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Adam, we're the ones who've got to come back. Showing off to your newfound friends. I mean. <laughs> This is going well, isn't it? Um, it's goodbye from Kieran <laughs> in Sunbatch. Goodbye. Goodbye from me. Goodbye. When we started, when we started, because I said to Kieran, oh, you've got your haircut. That's looking good. And one of the first things you mentioned, Kieran, was that it's receding. And it's like so many of our hairs are receding. But you, because you've got it sh- that short, you're really nailing the Matt Hancock look. Oh, jeez. Wow. All right, Jimmy, with your wow. legs. You like, re- you, that, was a, that was a nice sentiment towards Kieran, and you just went...
down at the end. The Matt yeah. Hancock look. He's he was it. in a good mood no, 30 seconds ago. Good. And you just... Yeah, now I just feel like... Shit. <laughs> I think I, I think you look lovely, Kieran. Don't listen to him. I, I look like a corrupt Tory idiot. No, you look like an alleged corrupt Tory idiot. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And hey, I might be running for leader, so <laughs> could also run for you. We're, we're actually your leadership team. Uh, you, you could do that thing that twins sometimes do when they went to school and swap and be like, Matt, Matt, can we? Can I be prime minister for the day? <laughs> yeah. 